Hey, Chris, how are you today? I'm feeling pretty good, Ryan. I'm very happy to be here with you. I know I say that every time, but um, yeah, it's just always a treat. And uh, I'm very grateful for this time that we have together. It's funny because I'm never really looking forward to it, but I always really enjoy it. And <laughs> so I appreciate you for that. Um, I also enjoy spending time with the people that listen to the show, which is called Coffee Smarter. And it's hosted by me, Ryan Wolt. I'm joined by Chris O'Brien, the founder, uh, head coffee roaster, I don't even know what else, what other titles you have. Head janitor at Coffee Cycle Roasting, uh, which you can find online at coffeecycleroasting.com. They sell great coffee online all over the place. Or you can just go to the shop. It's in Pacific Beach, San Diego. It's a cool neighborhood, I've heard. I used to live there. And uh, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Hit me up. I'll give you some tips of what to avoid and you know where to go. Chris, I'm I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad you're willing to talk to me about something that is very dear to my heart today. Oh well, if it's near and dear to your heart, then I I just want to be there. You know, I just want to be there with that topic as close and dear to your heart as I can. That is a very good way of uh, of saying of leading into this because what I want to talk to you about is the relationship between. The person like me who's at home making coffee, drinking coffee, brewing coffee, trying to learn how to be better at it so I can make a more enjoyable cup, and the coffee roaster themselves, often found at a coffee roastery's cafe. Yeah, absolutely. How can we, the general public and the roaster, interact you know what are ways that a roaster can be a resource for um for the at-home coffee maker first of all i think that the relationship between a roaster and an at-home coffee maker is really special in the context of capitalist society because you're talking about a business one the roaster and you're talking about a customer, a consumer, the at-home coffee maker. And unlike every other or most other that I can think of, business to customer relationships, as a coffee roaster, I actually want in a lot of ways to get less money from you, a consumer, a customer. And that, that sounds odd. Crazy. Sounds odd and crazy. And you're like, wait, why are you on this show, Chris? You're the wrong person. I made a mistake. But what I want is I want you to buy my beans and I want you to make them at home. And I don't necessarily want, I mean, I don't have any problem with it, but I don't necessarily want you to buy a cup of coffee from me every day. I'm okay with you buying a cup of coffee from me every day. I love that. Actually, it's no problem. But if you decide to change and become an at-home coffee drinker where you come and you buy beans from me and make them at home, I'm actually thrilled with that transition. Why? Because I do want you to buy my product and displaying it through the cafe is sort of a, a showcase, right? Now, we love to have the community of the cafes. Those cafes are really important to, to me, to, to our society. Um, I think it's an important way to have a space for people to socialize that's not alcohol related and it's not your work or a church you know, it's just a, it's a, anyone can come in these doors and meet up and, and form their own communities inside of these communities. And that's important. And so we do want to keep those going with those, those beverages that are sold or food that's sold and what have you. 
But as a coffee roaster, what I really want is you to buy those beans and make them at home. Because the more beans that I can sell, and I can't make you drink more coffee than you're capable of drinking. So I, I, I don't need you to buy more beans than you can drink. I need more people to buy beans. The more beans that I can sell, the better relationships I can have with my producers and give back to them in that supply chain, kind of create this cycle where the consumers are indirectly giving back to those producers who are then giving to me and, and so on and so forth. And it kind of goes both ways. So it's an interesting dynamic from the beginning because, you know, I don't have any problem with you buying coffee from me every day. Please go right ahead. But I'm also always thrilled when someone is trying to make that transition to brewing coffee at home. And so to have a business be your cheerleader in spending less money at my at your at the, my business is a really unique factor that, that doesn't really happen in any other context that I usually see. Not at least not one that I can think of off the top of my head. So, you know, getting back to your question, how can a roaster be a resource to an at-home coffee drinker? Um, I think, you know, it behooves the roaster to try to do as much to help the consumer, that home coffee drinker, do a good job and to care. Because if they can do both of those things, then they're going to value my product more. It's an interesting thing where you see a lot of roasters, you know, nowadays with the focus on direct trade, ethical sourcing, things like that. But even, even not with the focus on the ethics there, they kind of use imagery of farms and farmers to evoke this sort of personal response from consumers to try to get them to buy in to the product, you know, to say, oh, this is something I, I want to have because it's, I can see this sort of whole supply chain, this origin. I have this sort of greater connection to where my, my food is coming from, my coffee is coming from. And I think that's a, that's a good thing in principle, but we want to make sure that we're not exploiting it, we're making sure we're using it so that everybody along the whole chain benefits, right? I'm benefiting because you're buying beans from me. You're benefiting because you're doing a better job brewing at home because you're buying better beans. You know, just philosophically and personally, I love it when everybody wins. It's like this podcast with you. Like I genuinely like being here talking about coffee. I genuinely like being in your presence. You know, I genuinely like getting to share my feelings and knowledge about coffee with the greater population that we have access to on this show. So who's who's losing here? I, as far as I can tell, nobody. And I love that situation. And I want to create that with my business. I mean, technically, my wife is losing because I'm spending more money on coffee and making less money in real life. But uh, she's probably the only one. And she said she's OK with it. That's kind of a shame because I genuinely like her. She's pretty cool. <laughs> She's pretty fantastic. I think that's a the the concept of win win win. I, I hear from coffee people a lot. It's not every industry. Ha you mentioned the showcase, but not every industry has manufacturers who are also the sellers. Often there's middle middle people yeah. who are selling. Uh, but in this case, you're a manufacturer who is who is both customer facing and rear facing you're working with either a green coffee importer or oftentimes direct with a farm and so you're seeing the results of both sides of the transaction not just the middle part that affects you and so it does give you a different perspective what about 
this is something that I'm going to attack you for because it drives me crazy. So I played the coffee fool on this show, but I'm often a coffee fool in real life. I don't say that in a negative way. I just, it's just, I get to constantly be learning and doing things. But if I buy a coffee from someone and they don't give me any information on how I sh- would be best brewing that coffee, why, why is that? Like if I called you and said, hey, I bought your Sumatra, how, should, how would you recommend I brew it? You'd probably tell me, but you don't put that on the packaging, right? A lot of roasters don't. Um, whether it's the ratio or, you know, the water or what, even tasting notes, what to expect. I'm wondering, you know, is that a relationship that people can have with the roaster directly or with the company as they're buying the product? What is kind of the motivation for sharing or not sharing information about a coffee? That's a, that's a great question. I I really like that. Um, because I've seen, you know, a couple attempts in that direction and I've liked some of them. But, you know, our problem comes in the sheer scope of possibility with brewing coffee. I mean, there's there's not only personal preferences to how the coffee can come out, but there's also so many ways not only to brew coffee, but also to screw it up. And I'm not just talking about devices to brew. I'm talking about each different style of how to use each device. Um, you know, we were talking about your Kalita at one point and how you couldn't get a good result. And I told you to use less coffee, which you said helped a little bit. But what's funny is that my Kalita is the device I use to make my larger batches of coffee here, you know, and it's like, and I admit that they're flawed, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard to provide that education when there's so much diversity of options, but it's also kind of a whole nother job, you know? And, and I'm not saying that it's not something that we should take responsibility for, because I, I actually agree with sort of the, the implied critique there. Maybe it's not well, I think for problem. me as the person brewing at home where I, I get frustrated is like, I bought this great bag of coffee, but it might take me, five, six, seven cups to get close to the place that I think it's really best representing and I'm really enjoying. Some of those cups might not even be very good at all. And then I get there and it's the bag is gone. And so if I'm just walking in off the street and I'm, you know, Hey, this is my local roaster. Like having some of that context can help. Like if you already know that you guys, it it brews really well at these features because you've dialed it in for your shop. I'm wondering how, you know, is it just a, as, as simple as like me developing a personal relationship with the roasters that I'm going to as, as often as possible? Or, you know, are you responsive when people ask you things or do you try to avoid that because you want people to have their own experience? You know what I mean? I, I'm just trying to get into the motivation of, of the roaster who's putting this thing out there. The You know, you're giving me two thirds of a science project and saying, you know, don't fuck up the last third. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's kind of an impossible ask because, you know, what's my first instruction to you? Well, you know, make sure you buy a grinder that's at least $100, fits these specifications. Okay, you've done that. Okay, well, make sure you never use half of the settings on that thing. That's just a general rule of thumb. So start in the middle and don't ever use anything more than that. Make sure your water's boiling, uh, you know, make sure you're doing all this. And, And we haven't even touched the coffee itself yet. And so, you know, there's just really no easy way, no, no simple way to present it all. One of the best things I saw that I liked 
was from Four Barrel Coffee Roasters up in San Francisco, a very well-known, well-respected place. And I don't know if they still do this, but I finished a bag of their coffee, or I opened up a bag, and inside I kind of saw something on the inner lining of the bag. It's a really weird place to put this, but I, I kind of liked it. And so I actually, you might even remember seeing this, but I, I emptied the bag, I cut open the bag, and I, I stapled it to this, this part of my shop. Because on the inside of the bag, there were images, uh, like simple graphic images of different coffee brewers, like a Hario V60 dripper, a French press. Uh, I think there was an AeroPress on there. I think there were like four or five total. It might have been like a Chemex, maybe a Siphon. There's a good number of different little icons on there. And each one had like a range of time. It was like three to four minutes, 3.30 to 4.30. That was one of the more comprehensive and yet helpful things that I'd seen. But as a coffee professional, I, I still didn't even agree with all of it. You know, not all of it is something that I would recommend that you do, not just with my coffee, but with their coffee. And so, you know, I might get what I think is a better result that's different from what they've said. And, you know, then there's like this kind of popular almost meme. It's like a, show like a picture of like coffee menus or like a bunch of different images of, of, of coffee beverages. And it'll have the name of the beverage, you know, this plus this, this espresso plus this much milk plus this much foam is a macchiato or a cappuccino or a latte. And when I train my staff, we talk about why the language in coffee sucks is what I always call it a lesson um, and how a cappuccino can be a different beverage in three different countries. And so I can tell you what I like in a cappuccino and I can, I can describe that to you. But as you've experienced from every single episode of this show, I don't have a simple answer to it. My answer involves defining the espresso, defining the milk, defining the foam, defining the cup, how big it is, how big it really is from how big it says it is, what the temperature of the milk is, what the milk fat percentage is. You know, it's like, all these things matter. And so how am I supposed to, as a roaster, actually provide you with the guidance that you're craving? And I, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer to how I can possibly do that because my best answer is I hop on a podcast with you, buddy. <laughs> you know? Like that's, that's my best way to tell you how to brew my coffee is listen to 17 hours of me chatting with Ryan. To credit you, I mean, you are always just here when I open the computer. I mean, waiting. <laughs> Uh, which I appreciate. I can't afford an ADU for you to move into. <laughs> That's a really interesting thing. I, I want to, I, I would say like, cause I, I am the customer that gets frustrated by that sometimes. And it's more, it's more that my frustration comes from God, where do I start? You know? And so I think learning like what all the details of coffee, you know, like all the, the variables that we can put out there and just say, here, here's some basic information. It's from this region. Maybe it was these elevations, these things can help. Uh, often if I buy a coffee from a place that's also selling, you know, coffee, coffee shop, uh, like you have a cafe that goes along with your roastery. Um, the cafe came first and I'll say, Oh, they are, they regularly do pour overs in this style. I might look to that first just because I know you've kind of dialed it in. Another one of my favorite shops uh, here in San Diego really does French press. And so I know that that's like their thing, right? And so they're, they're sourcing coffees that work well with that style of brewing. And, you know, I, I find that I'm 
if I am paying a little bit of attention to that, a little bit of having a little intention that can help me. Uh, but it is, you know, it, it's such an overload of information and it's, it can be tough on if you're, especially if you're new and learning, where do I start? And the, the only answer I have is practice and, you know, knowing that sometimes you don't want to lose the joy of the good in search of the perfect, I guess. I don't want to not enjoy my cup of coffee every day just because I know that somewhere someone is brewing it better than me and <laughs> it tastes better uh, as long as I'm still enjoying myself and the process. Well, you know, I've always been very interested in coffee education for people. I like, I like the idea. I don't think I know the most about coffee. A lot of the time when we're talking, I'll make sure that I say, you know, as far as I know, because there's been a lot of sort of apocryphal pro, uh, passing along of knowledge in my coffee experience. And there certainly are coffee education resources out there, but finding good ones is kind of hard. I remember you, you showed me a book once that I, I thought was actually surprisingly very good, um, but it was also very quite long and in depth. And so I even proposed to you at one point that we were going to work possibly on uh, some sort of coffee education thing other than this podcast. I'm very passionate about pursuing that because that's, that's always what I've enjoyed in the cafe. Isn't just enjoying the product for myself. It isn't just enjoying it with my coworkers. It's presenting it to people, you know, and I have people that come into my shop and they see a list of, you know, six coffees and they see the list of 10 different espresso based drinks or whatever. And they, I can see this intimidation hit them, you know, just even just ordering, just asking someone else to make them a cup of coffee is like, scary it's like too much to deal with and i love that moment because that's the moment when i i put my elbows down on the counter and i get down a little lower and i go hey hey, hey, guys it's okay i'm here to help because that's what i want to do i want to help i do want to help but it is hard to figure out how in that greater context where you have a faceless customer on the internet you have someone who comes in kind of quietly keeps themselves and just picks up a bag of beans you know not everybody wants to interact that much in person um, or digitally, they just want it, you know, handed to them in a nice little, little package. And that package is really hard to come up with. So I would love to come up with that. I would love to be the one, but hopefully somebody has it somewhere, um, or has it somewhere one day. And in the meanwhile, I'm glad we have this podcast to share what, what we can with people in the best way we can. Well, I certainly appreciate you being here. And, uh, I would r- kind of recap by just saying there's a lot of information and, uh, I hate the word rules. I would say we're trying to teach people guidelines that I have flexible borders. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot, there's a lot of perception that goes into it. And here are some things that we can help you brew a better cup of coffee. And you may say, yeah, this is pretty good. But if I tweak it a little bit, it's better for me. And that's important. Absolutely. What you like, as far as your beverage, what you're consuming, that's what matters the most. Uh, and your likes can change, and they probably should. And I'm not telling you where they should change, uh, but I'm excited for you to have the journey, you know? Keep it up. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coffee Smarter. Today, we dove into the relationship between me and you, the at-home coffee brewers, and our local coffee roasters. In particular, we got Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting's perspective and how he can help or not help, his customers have a better coffee experience. 
I'll link to his roastery and some questions you can ask your local roaster in our newsletter on coffeesmarterpodcast.com. The big takeaway today is that developing a relationship with your coffee roaster can be a win-win-win situation. It all starts by asking questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help brewing your coffee at home. As we learned today, yes, your local roaster is happy you are stopping by to buy a cup of coffee, but they are also, probably even more so, happy when you buy a bag to go home. It helps them sell more coffee if you're having a good coffee drinking experience at home. If they sell more coffee, they also have to buy more coffee. So it ends up being a win for the farmers, too. Win-win-win. Shout out to Jared Hales at Hosea Coffee Source, a green coffee importer in Anaheim, who I think of every time I say win-win-win. It's one of his favorite ways to explain how Hosea runs their business as the middlemen between farmers and roasters. So, ask the questions. Coffee is complex, and we're all learning. What you like matters, and it is okay if your preferences evolve as you learn. In fact, it's likely, and encouraged. I know mine have. Shout out to Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting for appearing as a guest expert on Coffee Smarter. Go to Coffee Cycle online at coffeecycleroasting.com to check out his coffee. Maybe buy a bag, or ten. Shout out to the rest of our industry partners who support our efforts to share coffee education and the stories of coffee people with the world, including Roastar Coffee Packaging. Roastar is the presenting sponsor of our Coffee People and Coffee Smarter Pro programs, and they make coffee packaging to tell the big stories of your small business. Check them out at roastar.com. Thank you to the rest of our industry partners, including Ignite Coffee Company, Maria Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, San Franciscan Roaster Company, Crossings Coffee, Ascento Coffee Roasters, Camp Coffee Company, Civets Roasting Machines, First Light Coffee Whiskey, Hasea Coffee Source, and Ascend Coffee Roasters. This show is part of the Roast West Coast Coffee Network. And this episode is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Smarter. Smarter.